on Ag News Daily. The last run-up in land prices we had was the 2013-2014 period. And, and land prices shot up just extremely high. And at that time, the highest sale price that we had in Iowa was $22,500 an acre. Welcome to Thursday, September 28th, 2023. Tanner and Delaney here. Talk a little bit about working out this morning, right, Delaney? Well, yeah, because Tanner, I got woken up this morning to what I thought was a herd of elephants on my roof. I really had thought something had broken or a pipe had burst, but no, there were just people on our roof here to re-roof us after five months. We got a pretty bad hailstorm damage back in May. We're just now getting our roof replaced. So thankful, but it definitely jarred me this morning. Yeah, and that's uh, certainly what some of our friends in Southern Illinois and Indiana are hoping don't happen to them today. They've got a chance for some severe storms expected this morning that come with lightning and potential hail. Obviously, hail this time of year on any crop is not good, especially soybeans. There's a marginal risk for excessive rainfall in southwestern Indiana and parts of western Kentucky, so we'll keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, though, our friends in Nebraska and Kansas today are in prime wildfire conditions. They've got relative humidity below 20% this afternoon with wind gusts of up to 30 miles per hour. So kind of interesting to see just how drastic you can change even across the Midwest. Philip, Felipe or Philip, the hurricane that we've been talking about uh, is losing power. It is basically no longer a threat to anything, but we're still watching a couple of more disturbances out in the ocean as well. Well, Tanner, it's certainly been uh, quite foggy here over the last few mornings. I'm wondering what's been causing that? Do you think it's uh, just wildfire smog? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think talking to Eric, it's probably part of that weather pattern that's week on, week off when we had that conversation with him. But it's certainly hampering the soybean harvest process in the state of Iowa, at least in the areas where you and I live. It absolutely has been. I, I agree to that. Well, Tanner, we are just four days away from three days away from a government shutdown now that could start on Sunday if we don't see some short term funding legislation passed. Tanner, if we do see a shutdown, this would be the fourth shutdown in the past decade. And it appears the likelihood is increasing as the Senate tried to pass a stopgap bill on Tuesday that would fund the government through November 17th, while also providing domestic disaster aid and another $6 billion in aid to Ukraine. However, the House is not expected to even consider this version of the bill. Instead, the House has been working on a series of funding bills focused on different sectors of the government. And that uh, sounds like it is not going to likely pass in the Senate. So House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said if the House will likely bring its own version or that the House will likely bring its own version of the stopgap bill to the floor on Friday. And Tanner, that uh, may not be well received in the Senate. However, we're also seeing the government consider ways to save money and better target the crop insurance system towards small and mid-sized farmers. Some new 
considerations are being made by senators and representatives that would limit farm subsidies by denying the wealthiest growers and limiting the value of premium subsidies to eligible farmers. The restrictions would also reduce the cost of crop insurance by an estimated $2.7 billion a year, a quarter of its projected cost over the next 10 years alone. An Oregon Democrat representative introduced a crop insurance reform bill that would limit these farmers to an annual maximum coverage of $125,000 in premium subsidies and deny subsidized coverage to farmers with more than $250,000 a year in adjusted gross income. This bill would also eliminate premium subsidies for policies with the harvest price option and reduce the guaranteed return to insurance companies and USDA payments to insurers for administrative and operating costs. Tanner, this bill has been backed by eight environmental groups, small farm and budget hawk groups that have recently criticized the federal government's crop insurance program repeatedly. Uh, They said the government pays out about 62 cents of every dollar in premium. But Tanner, that uh, $250,000 gross income would not cover many of the farmers we probably know. Yeah, it's uh, not to speak out of line, but it certainly feels like the whole tax the rich and give to the poor scheme itself. So it'd be interesting to see if that continues to gain momentum or not. Uh, I've got a couple of conversations that I've had with the folks from Fractal, a couple of very intelligent individuals taking jumped over to Fractal from other ag tech companies. And now AgWeb has picked up an article that certainly provides a little bit of insight as to what this is. So if you've ever asked yourself the question, which we may get some of the answers today in our conversation, what your farm is worth, maybe you can partner with Fractal. Fractal is a company that pairs farmers wanting to expand their operation with hands-off investors who recognize the value of farmland. So if farmland comes available, farmers have plenty of equity typically, according to statistics, in their existing farmland, they will be able to use existing assets to purchase new through this new program. Farmers stay in the driver's seat. Fractal purchases a minority ownership up to 45% in the piece of high quality farm ground. These acres are owned and operated by the farmer for the remaining 55%. The spokesperson, Gordon, states that for investors, they leave the decision-making up to the ones who have the best option, while Fractal raises the capital necessary from outside investors. So quite an interesting program there. The investment is typically set up for a 10-year term, Delaney, and the farmer can buy out Fractal's ownership at any time. They can also take a look at a renewal at the end of that original 10-year agreement. That could be a new tool for farmers to use to expand their operations. We also saw ethanol inventories expand. Ethanol inventories themselves did climb. The stockpiles jumped up to 22.048 million barrels in the last seven days. That's up from 21.681. Production this last week rose also week over week. 
inventory, or I'm sorry, production climb to just over a million barrels a day. That was up from less than a million barrels per day last week. Well, Tanner, uh, speaking of reports and keeping track of where things are measuring up or at, we have the quarterly grain stocks report creeping up on us uh, tomorrow. I totally forgot that this was the end of September when we do see the next round of reports from the USDA. This one, of course, not being quite as big as some of the others we see, but at 11 a.m. tomorrow, the USDA will issue their grain stocks report for September 1st, as well as their small grain summary, which is a combination that will get a lot of folks' attention. We know that, of course, they survey farmers as well as private brokers and analysts. And as far as analyst expectations go, the Dow Jones survey reflected that the USDA will find about 1.43 billion bushels of ending corn stocks for the 22-23 season, the most in three years, if actually realized. Estimates are all over the board, but only three of the 14 analysts surveyed estimate that we'll see more than 1.4 billion bushels. For soybeans, the survey reflected a 244 million bushel soybean ending stock number, the lowest in seven years, which could be very bullish for the soybean markets. And uh, for wheat stocks on hand, 23 to 24, USDA pegged wheat stocks at 1.774 billion bushels, very close to the past two years there. So it could be fairly neutral if actually realized, Tanner. But I think that segues nicely into a story I had here which is what is the number one factor that could make or break the farm economy over the next 12 months? Sander, do you have a guess? It's got to be related to exports, isn't it? Well, you know, I would have guessed that as well. But the economist quoted in this article said it's actually the price of corn. He said that there's a lot of reasons for that, but a lot of things are rotating around the price of our major commodities, specifically corn, and that's been the major player this year. He said higher interest rates aren't helping as well, but there's just general concern about the future of demand for U.S. ag exports, and specifically our U.S. corn prices and exports. So it's been a challenging past 12 months, Tanner, and it's expected to potentially be another challenging 12 months ahead as we're likely going to see a decline in many commodity prices, still seeing pretty good, strong yields, Um, likely going to see cattle prices or cattle production come back this year into next year, which of course will be less corn needed there and declining export demand are some of the big factors that could impact the price of corn. So yes, you were kind of right in your answer, but uh, there's a little bit more to that article. So yes, my answer was almost too small scale for what I guess, that yes, that's true. Referencing New Holland's giving their T9 series a refresh. That's their large four-wheel drive tractors for 2024. Going to receive a boost of power and plenty of updates to the cabs. PLM Intelligence is now going to be available in 2024 to provide increased efficiency. This is no surprise as Case itself revealed their quad track with extra power. The advanced features and updates to the T9 lineup deliver a better feel for the operator in the cab. 
The product put out by New Holland is farmer-based ingenuity. They've modernized the overall comfort of the cab in order to verify that farmers can remain focused throughout their operations in the field. Their 13-liter cursor engine will now provide T9 470, 520, and 580 horsepower tractors. They've been changed to an electronic variable geometry turbo and upgraded their performance. Peak horsepower will now be nearly 600 horsepower and fuel economy will be increased by 2%. That doesn't sound like a lot when you read it, but it has an overall effect. They also are looking at high performance and peak horsepower of 699 horses, respectively looking at adding additional horsepower to their fleet as the year rolls out. Inside the cab has a new headliner, overhead council, ram mounting males for mo rails for monitors. The tractor will have LED beacons operating in both low and high functions, providing extra visibility in low light situations. So looks like the New Holland branch of CNH is looking to add additional opportunities in their large tractor series themselves. Well, Tanner, we saw yesterday a group of U.S. senators had a committee, specifically in the U.S. Agriculture Committee hearing, on foreign purchases of U.S. agricultural land as they're trying to figure out how to lump this in with some other legislation. There have been lawmakers with a lot of opposing views, but Congress has coalesced around the major issue of ultimately restricting ownership of U.S. farmland for a handful of countries, specifically China. Uh, other countries also on that list would be Iran, North Korea, and Russia from buying U.S. farm ground. As we move to a path that sees that prevented like I said, there's some specific issues on either side of the aisle that are not seen as uh, bipartisan. However, the ultimate goal of blocking farmland purchases for these countries is largely accepted across the board, Tanner. Uh, other issues that were brought up were things like foreign entities owning sales or owning entities that would sell licensed marijuana. And so ultimately, it sounds like they're looking for the best path, best path forward for legislation, and they're trying to tack this on to another piece of legislation, such as a defense bill, according to Senator Debbie Stabenow and John Bozeman of Arkansas. So it sounds like they're really trying to get this pushed through, Tanner. Um, we also could see it you know, tied to something like the Farmland Security Act of 2022 that required more reporting from foreign buyers including shell companies. Uh, but ultimately, it does sound like Congress is all on the same page to get something of this nature pushed through. So unlike the funding bill, this is one they feel very passionately about doing together. Got it. Well, the last headlines I've got before markets is just Russia, Ukraine. Ukraine destroyed more than 30 drones last night in a massive attack. They're also reporting Wagner fighters have returned to the Eastern Front, but are downplaying the significance there, the Ukrainian officials are saying. The frontline drone unit near Bakhmut is continuing to make an offensive push for Ukraine. NATO is saying that Kiev is gaining ground in its counteroffensive, which is positive news. And the Black Sea Fleet commander is still deemed to be alive as they saw him appear in a second video 
when once was considered dead due to that strike uh, taking credit from Kiev in Crimea. So not a lot of headlines coming out of Russia and Ukraine, which might be a good thing. But where did markets settle out overnight? Well, Tina, I was just going to say, too, you know, on the Ukraine front, we're starting to see some official grain flow out of the Ukraine ports. Once again, not a lot of grain flow, but it's definitely slow momentum uh, that will hopefully start to increase as time goes on. But as far as markets go here, we're recording a little earlier than normal. So the overnights are still in session here for about another 30 minutes. December corn down a penny and three quarters at 481. New crop beans down 10 and a half cents at 12.92 and three quarters. Chicago wheat down two pennies in the overnight at 577. Hard red December winter wheat down five and three quarters cents at 688 and three quarters. And December spring wheat down three and a half cents at 747 and a quarter. Tanner, a quick refresh at where livestock closed yesterday. October live cattle added 10 cents to close at a buck 84.90. October feeder cattle shed a dollar 62 and a half to close out the day at 252.25. And October lean hogs added 50 cents yesterday to close at 82.12 and a half. Tanner, talking land values and sales today for our interview. So let's turn it over to that great conversation. Folks, I'm super excited for today's interview. A lot of you might follow him on Twitter. Uh, he is the land talker on Twitter, but also he goes by Jim Rothermick. He is a real estate appraisal with Iowa Appraisal in West Des Moines, Iowa. Jim, super excited to have you on the podcast today to talk land values. There's a lot to unpack there, but super excited to have you on. Oh, thank you for having me, Delaney. So Jim, as we dig into the current landscape that is land sales and whatnot. Walk us up to speed on where we are today, current to, and compared to, I guess, where we've been the last five to seven years. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm going to go back maybe more like 10 years. Um, the, the last run up in land prices we had was the 2013-2014 period. And, and land prices shot up just extremely high. And at that time, the highest sale price that we had in Iowa was $22,500 an acre. And in and, and that time frame, um, you know, we started crossing over in a $20,000 acre territory here in Iowa. And most of those sales were in Northwest Iowa. I th all of them were in Northwest Iowa. So, you know, that run up was due to, you know, high grain prices and uh, so then after, you know, once we hit that peak, the market cooled off 20 to 25%. And then it leveled out and was just extremely flat up until October, 2020. And that, that's post-COVID, October, 2020. And as harvest started, that was, a, that was a dry year. And as harvest started, the farmers got out in the field and realized they had a better crop than that that they had expected, and um, grain prices started going up, and farm income was going up too, and that market took off. And I watching those auction results come in, I knew the market was starting to move, and so it went up, you know, maybe five or six percent there in twenty twenty. 
And then we crossed over into 2021 and, and it was a 36.5% increase just in one year. Unbelievable. I, I don't think we'll ever see an increase like that, not for a long time, but I, I would not be surprised if that was the fastest that market had changed ever in Iowa history. And so then we crossed in over to 2022, market was still going up. We got into May and it it peaked. That's that's when the peak was. And and, and I measure um, the, the land market as dollars per CSR two point. We were up there around $180 per CSR two point. And then it kind of calmed down after that, went down just a few percent maybe 5%. And then we've kind of flatlined, you know, kind of running around $175 a point here up till now. Um, some of the auction results we're getting in now um, are very strong. Um, the market just seems to be just, just rolling right up, right along good. And, and corn prices are down. I know that, but man, interest rates are up, but the market is just, just really uh, being very strong. It's not going up, but it's just very steady right now. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned interest rates. We've seen still some record high sales. And that always calls into question for me, how are farmers affording this? And I know you mentioned before we started recording that there are maybe some misconceptions about some of these large farmland sales of folks suspecting that it was foreign investors or institutional dollars. So when you look at some of these really large auctions we've seen as of late, you know, topping a couple million dollars, is it farmers that are making these large capital purchases still? Yeah, it, it, most of the time, generally speaking, it's the farmers that's paying those big prices. Um, you know, the way the way people need to look at this, a farmer has a very long hold period for land. So, you know, it could be 50 to 100 years. And I can guarantee you whatever price they paid today in 50 years or 60 years or 100 years, those heirs to that property are going to ask, why didn't they buy more land at that price? <laughs> so it, it it's going to pan out over that long hold period is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. That makes sense. So as you look at, I think the question that's top of everyone's mind is this recent sale that happened in Missouri for what was it? Just over $4 million for 115 acres. Yep. Yep. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, um, a, a lot of people are surprised to see a, a, a farm sell in Missouri for $34,800 an acre. And I have to preface this, that was ag land. There was no potential for development on this property. So take that out of the equation. It was bought to farm to produce corn and soybeans. So, uh, with that said, there's an area, there's a garden spot in Missouri and it's down there in West Central Missouri around this town called Malta Bend. And it's very good farmland. It's equivalent to the good stuff here in Iowa and Illinois. Um, it, it's very much like that. It's just not a very big area. And there's, a, you know, some very strong farmers down there in, in the area. And they have good equity positions. And not much ever comes up for sale in that area. And when it does, people duke it out with dollars. So... Um, so this 115 acres uh, went to auction um, a week ago today. So it was uh, uh, the 20 uh, September 21st, and um, a, a small local auction company um, 
provided the auction. Um, and it was at, uh, there at Malta Bend, Missouri and, uh, uh, 115 acres. The bidding started out at $15,000 an acre and two bidders, two local farmer bidders, one adjoining uh, landowner and one that owned land in the area. And they duked it out and uh, the hammer, the gavel fell at $34,800 an acre. And uh, that to me, that's the highest price I know of here in the Midwest. Um, that the the last time we had a 30,000 acre sale was uh, in November 10th of 2022 in Sioux County, Iowa, 73 acres sold for $30,000 an acre. And I thought that record would stand for, for years or at least until we got seven to $8 corn again, but it didn't even last a year. And mm -hmm. so um, that just goes to show um, the scarcity of, of good farmland and what people are willing to pay for it. And, and I did the post on social media and there were several people comment, you know, I wonder if China bought this farm or some foreign country. No, it was local farmers, local farmers. When you see those big prices like that, it, it's local farmers that pay that. Jim, I've always wondered, you know, you mentioned that this sale in particular started out at $15,000. Do you get to decide what that price is that starts out? Do you work with the landowner to decide that starting price or how do they, how do they decide 15,000 is where we're going to start this auction out at? Well, the, the auctioneer typically gets a starting bid and in this area there at Malta Bend, Missouri, um, that auctioneer knew that, that he had something special there. And so he got he got a starting bid at fifteen thousand dollars an acre, and, and according to the auctioneer, I interviewed the auctioneer. Um, I think a lot of people thought it was going to end there, and and they would get to bid on the farm, but that's where it started, and it eliminated mm -hmm. pretty much everybody but those two bidders. And so, um, so they run it up the $34,800 an acre. So I'm not going to say how long that record's going to stand because I was wrong the last time. <laughs> it probably get broke within a year, um, but we'll, we're going to find out. Well, and that's the thing, Jim, is, you know, predict you couldn't have predicted this a year ago that we would top that record again. So I hate to even ask this question, but I'm going to anyway. Where do we head from here as far as land values go and also cash rent values? Yeah, yeah, no, good question. Um, I think we're gonna hold steady uh, with with land values. I've I've talked to my farm realtor friends uh, when I confirm these auction results. They think we're gonna see some strength going in um, this fall. Um, I can't say that for sure. I'll I'll know that when I get the results. But uh, I've had a couple of them say there is a people are really getting fired up to buy farm ground again. Um, they kind of cooled off there. Um, earlier, you know, earlier in the year, but he said uh, the, the information I'm getting, there's people wanting to get in the land space. So I expect it to be steady to strong. Um, I don't see we're going to have double digit increases, but we could see some single digit increases. And some of the yield results I'm hearing is just un unbelievable how much corn is is, is yielding in, in areas that, that got some rain. They didn't get, nobody got enough rain, but got, got, some rain and so um so i'd say it's steady to just you know maybe tick tick or two higher maybe and as far as cash, cash rents go 
I'm starting to gather up some cash rent auction data, and I've already got a couple of cash rent auctions that's over $500 an acre. And so that seems to be very strong, <laughs> which it is. Um, so I don't see that backing off at all in um, the, the cash rent. I'd say it's going to hold steady and, and if not go up just a little bit. Jim, I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball here a little bit, but you know, you mentioned in Missouri, that land sale, really there were two main buyers, two main auction bidders, I should say. Yep. yep and, yep. and there sounds like they were maybe more affluent farmers or farmers that had been in the area a lot longer. Do you think we start to see because of farmland values, a larger divide between those who have the ability to leverage and buy this farmland versus those who aren't able to afford and expand acreage? Yeah, oh, I do. I do. It's a barrier. These high land prices is a barrier to people who don't have that equity, those strong equity positions. And, you know, since COVID, people that own land, their equity positions have has exploded. And and also, um, you know, there's been two, 2021 and 2022 were very good years for farm income. So, um, their bank accounts are just flushed with cash and and people want to own land right now. Um, you know, we're seeing it with these, you know, extreme high prices that people just want to own land. And and it's the wealthy people that want to do it or people with with, with strong equity positions. And so, um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be more of a divide. Yeah, absolutely. Jim, any other big big issues or big things to keep in mind here as related to land and, and rent values as we look at 2024? Yeah. Um, you know, as, you know, as somebody who's a, a, a astute to the auction market, um, we're seeing a good volume of farms coming to auction. So, so the market's going to be tested. Um, you know, if, if you're thinking of selling, uh, some land, uh, your farm, as people, you know, things change. I think the sooner you bring that farm to the market, the better, because there's a lot of uncertainties out there um, that we don't know about. And so the market's still very strong. It's not at the peak, but it's just under the peak. And I think it's a good time to sell. Um, as far as cash rent goes, what I hear a lot, uh, Delaney, is I, I get calls from people telling me that we have a tenant that that can't rate that can't pay any more rent because of high input costs or interest rates and that was like in 2021 22 time frame and these ten landlords are saying I don't know if I buy that because I'm seeing all these high prices and um you know, very strong land prices. So, so they think, well, the, the, the rent has to go up as well. And, and so what I'm trying to say is um, there's a lot of cash rent that's under market and landlords need to, to do their due diligence and find out where that market is. And, um, and there's resources out there to do that. Fantastic, Jim. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. One more time, if folks want to follow along with you on Twitter, how can they find you? Yeah, my Twitter handle is uh, the Land Talker, or yeah, it's uh, the Land Talker on Twitter, and and I, I do post almost daily of uh, auction results. 
Uh, my newsletter is very popular. Uh, you could go, you can, it's a free subscription. You can go to uh, www.iowaappraisal.com and sign up for a free subscription. And this next month, I'm going to have some cash rent auction results in that, which is very popular. And so, um, and then I have a weekly blog uh, as well that has the, the auction results, land auction results in, in the week, the, the previous week. Fantastic, Jim. Well, thanks again for joining today. Certainly appreciate your time. Thank you, Delaney. Well, thanks for doing that interview, Delaney. It was timely. Obviously, we've got record numbers still circling the headlines. Appreciate you doing that and such a great resource in Jim. Listeners, we've got another fun Friday episode for you tomorrow, so don't go too far. But what do you say for today? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 